You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. going on to verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God and him will I trust. And that's what I want to begin to focus on tonight. But would you just pray with me first? Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that, that, that your word is alive, it's active, and even the people who have heard this message before, Lord, it's going to fall on new ears. They're going to hear it like they didn't hear it before. And, Father, they're going to reap something from this, this teaching that they didn't catch the first time around. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that your word is spirit and life. And, Lord, as your word goes forth in this place, Lord, it's going to bring life. To, the, to its ears, and Lord, it's going to come alive in them. Your word is living and it's active, and I pray that, that it would come alive in everyone here tonight. Father, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you're Emmanuel, God with us, that we don't have to beg you to come. You're already here, and Father, I pray that you would just fall afresh and anew on this place through the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you would, you would just hover over every person here tonight and that you would whisper uh, words of revelation, words of understanding. I pray, Lord God, that, that, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened to know the hope to which they're called. And, Father, that you would just transform us tonight in your presence. I pray, Father, that you take charge of my mouth like Kendall prayed. Lord, I pray that you would not let anything come from my mouth that isn't from you. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to recall that my eyes would fall on what it needs to fall on. Lord, that as soon as I speak a word, another word would be given. And Lord, that I would declare your word as fearlessly as I ought in this place tonight. Bless each one who's here, Lord God. They made a sacrifice to be here. And I pray, Lord God, that you who say you're the rewarder of those who diligently seek you would reward them tonight in ways they can't dream or imagine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. So we've been talking in Psalm 91 about the importance of learning to dwell, to abide in God's presence. Uh, this past summer, I was at uh, Frame Park, and I was walking, and I was on the other side of the park. My, my car was parked way on the other side, and, it all, and all of a sudden, it started to downpour. And I needed to get to my car, or, or I would be drenched, and, and it was just too far to get to. And so I noticed that there was a shelter there. And so I quickly ducked under the shelter, and I sat on the picnic table until the rain passed. And, and I sat under dry but aware that if I was outside of that shelter, I would be outside the protection and I would be drenched. And, and when it hit me as I was sitting on that picnic table, I was studying this passage, and it hit me that that's what God is for me. I had to make a choice in that storm to run for cover. I had to run under that shelter to be protected. And you and I have a choice in life. We can stay outside the protection of God, or we can run into him. And that looks like just dwelling with him. It looks like spending time in his presence, uh, spending time studying his word, spending time in prayer. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. 
I love that. I always thought, Lord, how, what does that look like? How can I really pray without ceasing? And today I was doing something and I caught myself just murmuring to the Lord. And I thought, that's how you pray without ceasing. It's always right there for me. I'm always talking to him in the car. When I'm even relating to my children, they'll be saying something to me. And in my head, I'll be like, Lord, give me a response here. Help me to respond the right way. Parent through me. And it's always right there. I'm, I'm always asking him, Lord, give me revelation. Give me understanding. Lord, who do you want me to talk to in the grocery store? I, I, I'm always talking to him. I'm praying continually. And that's what it talks about when it's telling you to get to that secret place and dwell, live with him, inhabit his presence, staying in his presence. What does that look like? Worship music on. What does it take for you to really get in his presence? Be intentional about doing that. And that's what we've been studying up to this point. And now in verse 2, I want you to just look at that. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. When I study the word of God, I will often sit at my kitchen table in the morning and I'll speak the word out loud. And I'll stress different words, and it, and it gives a different meaning to the scripture. For example, in, in this scripture, we could say, verse 2, I will say of the Lord. Or you could say, I will say of the Lord. Or you could say, I will say of the Lord. Do, do you see how just stressing those different words gives a different meaning to the scripture? And so what he's saying is he's making a declaration. I will say of the Lord, this is my experience, and, and I declare it to you, and I'm going to say this. I'm being intentional about saying it even to myself. I love the scripture that says, uh, um, it talks about talking to your soul. And how you have to strengthen yourself and you have to speak to your soul. Sometimes I have to talk to my soul. Do anybody else here have to talk to your soul sometimes and tell it to straighten out? Mind, start thinking right. And sometimes we have to talk to, to our soul. And, and that's what I, I will declare of the Lord. There are times in my life where, where life is hard, life is, is difficult, I'm going through a hard time, and, and really I could, I could slip into worry, I could slip into fear, but the decision to say, no, I will say of the Lord, this is what I know about you, Lord, and I'm going to declare it over my circumstances. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, you are my refuge, you're my fortress, and I will say this of you, no matter how I feel, who knows that faith is not about feeling. And we've got to be purposeful about declaring our faith and not our feelings. So often we declare our feelings and we line up with what the enemy is saying is truth and not what God is saying is truth. You say, well, how do I do that, Rhea? How many times have you, have you heard a whisper, oh, you're worthless? And you come into agreement with that. You start speaking it. You know, I can't do anything right. Or, or, or really, nobody really likes me. Or, or, you know what, I deserve to be rejected. Some of you are here tonight, and you've come into agreement with the enemy that you actually deserve to be rejected, that you look for people to reject you. And you've come into agreement. You've said of the Lord, but you've said it of the wrong one. You've come into agreement with the enemy. And we have got to be purposeful about coming into agreement with our Lord and saying, this is what I know about you, Lord. This is what I've learned is true about you through your word. That word say there, it's interesting in the original language, it means it refers to what is being communicated by a person's actions along with his words. 
That's interesting to me because it means I'm not just saying it. I'm going to make sure my actions are backing it up. You see, some of you here tonight, you can quote me some scripture like that. You can let it fire off your tongue, and you're very, very uh, astute with the word. And you can say of the Lord, but your actions really, really say something else. And we have got to be purposeful that when we're saying this of the Lord, when we're confessing the word over our life, we've got to make sure that our actions are, are lining up with that. You'll notice often I will have you do confessions with me. And we'll put them up on the screen and we will just confess the word. It's because I want to get that word in me. I want to get that word in you so that we are ready with the confession. I will say of the Lord uh, that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I will say of the Lord that my sons will be taught by the Lord and great will my children's peace be. I will say of the Lord. You see that when we get that word in us, we have to, we have to talk to our soul sometimes. And we have to say, this is what I know about the Lord. This is what his word says. And instead of saying how bad my circumstances are, I'm going to start saying what the Lord says. I'm coming into agreement with him. And faith means my actions are going to line up with that word. And so that's what he's saying here. I will say of the Lord, you are my, re my, my refuge and my fortress. Notice the my's there. This is personal. He's making this personal. Can I just tell you that your relationship with the Lord needs to be personal? It's not about going to church on Sunday morning and listening to the, the preacher preach to you and checking that off your list. God wants to be your personal God. He cares about what you're going through. Do you understand that he's numbered the hairs on your head? Do you, do you see the, the, the lock of curls that my brookie has, these long, beautiful curls? I love that girl more than anything in this world, but I have no idea how many curls she has on that head. But God does. He's numbered every one of those hairs on her head. The word says that before a word is on your lips, he knows it completely. Uh, he knows everything about you. He knit you together in your mama's womb. He designed you. He created you. See, some of you think you were an accident. I, I was born... Uh, from an affair that my mom had had. I was conceived in that adulterous affair. And I'm just going to tell you, I, I will tell you that, that, that I, I was like, was I an accident? You know, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. Can I tell you that there are no accidents here? God purposed you. I've written in the front of my Bible, God did not purpose the sin, but he purposed the person. Do you understand? You've been purposed. And that purpose, that God who created you, who purposed you, wants a personal relationship with you. I read to the team tonight, there's a scripture in Hosea that says, I don't want to be known as your master. I want to be known as your husband. See, there's a big difference between master and husband. Master is somebody I need to fear. You do not. You need to fear God, all right, but not in that manner. He wants you to know him as your husband. He wants intimacy with you. He wants that personal relationship with you. The, the writer of this psalm is saying, he is personal to me. It's a personal thing. He's not just this far-off, distant God. I will say of my Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Do you see how personal he is there? I want you to look at the names. I pointed out to you how important those names of God are in this passage. Most High, Almighty. Here we have another name. 
I will say of the Lord. That word Lord is Yahweh. It's, it's the great I am. It's, it's when Moses said to God, you know, I've talked to you about the Israelites being in slavery in Egypt. And it was hard slavery. And they had taskmasters over them. And it was miserable. And God said, I want my people to go free. And Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I want you to tell him, let my people go. Well, now this is Moses who can't even speak right. And it's the same Moses who said, send Aaron. I can't go. And, and God said, I'll send Aaron to be your mouthpiece, but you're going, Moses. And, and this is that same Moses. And, and here is Pharaoh, this mighty, mean man who has all of these Israelites in slavery. It's a picture of Satan. He really is as a type of Satan in the Old Testament because that's what the enemy of our soul wants to do to us. He wants to be our taskmaster. He wants us in bondage. He wants us in slavery. He wants to keep us burdened down. That's his, that's his goal in life. And we fall right into his traps. And so this is the same Moses that God said, I want you to go to, to Pharaoh and I want you to say, let my people go. And Moses, I can just picture him chuckling and saying, and who do you want me to say sent me? Uh, little old me going to big old Pharaoh. What exactly would you like me to say to him? He said, tell him I am. Tell him, Lord, Yahweh, I am. Do you see what he's saying is, Moses, when you start to doubt whether or not I'm able to do this, remember I am. Everything you have need of, I am. And when you need me to be everything I promise to be, I am. I'll be that for you. Tell him I am, Moses. If that doesn't give you courage, I don't know what does. When you understand that God is your great I am, everything you have need of, he is. Do you need a deliverer? Here's his answer, I am. Do you need a provider? Here's his answer. I am. Do you need a healer? Here's his answer. I am. But you see, we know him as our master and not intimately. And unless you get to that place of intimacy with him that's found in that secret place, you will never know him. You'll never know him as your husband. You'll never trust him as your great I am. The writer of the psalm is saying, I will say of the Lord, of the I am, of my I am. He is my refuge. That word refuge means a shelter, a hope, a place of refuge, a, a place of trust. When I, when I think about a refuge, I think my home in Pennsylvania where I grew up, we had an animal refuge uh, not very far, and we would go there every summer. And, and it was interesting to me. They had animals that were really being protected. They were, they were animals that were going to be ex extinct, and so they had... Uh, different varieties that they were just keeping protected and that they would breed and reproduce in this in this refuge and and it was really under lock the gates were locked and you had to you know you you really had to they were watching you all the time and you couldn't have any weapons in this this refuge you couldn't go hunting in this animal refuge and, and they were protected and that's the picture of what God wants to be for us do you understand that he is your refuge see some of you are so worried about Susie down the street and Sam at work and what they can do to you or, or maybe somebody who's out to taint your reputation or somebody who's talking behind your back. Oh, you know what? You need to just put your head up high and your shoulders back and say, do you understand that he is my refuge? Mess with me and you're messing with him. And you see, you can declare that if you're getting to that place of intimacy with him. You see, we want to declare that just going to church on Sunday morning. It's not going to work. This psalm is talking about something far more than just going to church on Sunday morning. You see, church, that's why we are, we are um, 
We're powerless, really, because we want the power of God just showing up and checking it off our list on Sunday morning. But he wants a personal relationship with you. And it's in that place of intimacy, in that place of connection, that we really have safety. That we can say, mess with me, and you're messing with God. When you understand that you are hidden in him, you are safe in him. You see, women, we worry so much about insecurities. Oh, men, I don't think you have this trouble. But women, we are insecure creatures. And and I just hate it. Can I just tell you how much I hate women who are insecure? I've worked very hard to try not to be that way. Because I will just tell you, the word says that you are secure in him. It doesn't matter what Susie down the street says about you. It doesn't matter whether men look at you or not. Can I just tell you, you are secure in him. You don't need a man to give you value. You don't need a job to give you value. You don't need looks to give you value. You don't need to be fit enough to give you value. You are secure in him. Do you understand that? That's a place of refuge. That's a place of safety. That's a place where the enemy can't get to you. And that's the picture that he's drawing here, that when we get to that place of refuge in God, when he is really all you need, oh, oh, that's a cry of my heart for, for myself, for this team, for all of you, that, that we get to that place where he is all that we need. I, I just want to be there. Anybody else want to be there? Where, where you just can, you can smile at somebody who's nasty because you just understand God is really all you need, and, and they're just broken. And can, can you just want to be that? Don't you just want to be in that place where you stop striving? You see, some of you are striving to earn God's love. You've already earned it, precious one. You are accepted in the beloved. He set his affections on you. Do you understand? He has set his affections on you. And you're trying to get affection from somebody else. Oh, dear one. The affection of God is so much better. And you are secure in him. And he doesn't care whether you wake up with your hair disheveled and, and, and mascara under your eyes. He doesn't care if you have a big fat belly. He, he doesn't care if you're successful at work or not. He has set his affections on you. You are approved in him. If that's not a place of refuge, I don't know what is. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He's my great I am. He is all that I need. And he will be everything I need him to be when I need him to be everything that he is. Oh, that's a place of refuge. That's a place of safety. And the picture that the psalmist is drawing here is that is a place, there is a place in God, church, that, that you are safe in him, that the enemy cannot get at you. That's when you're hidden with him, when you are in that secret place. I used to, that, that word fortress there, it, it means a wall around the city to protect it from enemies. Uh, have you ever seen a fortress in maybe a movie where, where they have this big wall built around the city and, and the enemy has to get through that wall to get to the people and it's impossible. And God is an impenetrable wall. He, he, when he's your fortress, you are safe. But here's what I found. Yeah, I'll just talk about myself because I know that none of you have this problem. But I, I will tell you, when you have been hurt, because we got some enemies. Anybody know that we have an enemy? An enemy of our soul, but we also got other people. I love the picture of, uh, of the Israelites before they went into bondage. The reason they went into bondage is because they, 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 started the, they were in famine. And they left the land that God had given them. And they went to Egypt for relief. Because isn't that what we always do? Anytime you see the word Egypt in the Bible, you can always substitute the world for that. 
And so that's what happens. We get famine in our land. I heard David say tonight he's having a bit of a famine in his life. And the temptation when we are in a famine, when we're in a dry place, we're in a place where, where all heaven seems silent, is to run to the world for relief to go to the bars, to, to go to a man, to go to a woman, to, to, to throw ourselves into work, to go shopping. And, and we want to go to the world for relief. And that's always going to be trouble when we run to the world. And there was famine in the land. And instead of staying in the land that God had given them and trusting him for relief, they ran to another source. And they meet up with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, hey, good to see you. I'll give you this land called Goshen. You can go there. You can be free. And then all of a sudden, the Israelites started to prosper. They started to increase. They started to multiply. Well, then it became a threat. Oh, can I just tell you that when you and I start to increase, when we start digging into the Word of God, when our life starts changing, when we start going up higher with God, when we start prospering in Him, oh, it's going to be a threat to people. It will be a threat. And you have an enemy of your soul who wants to hold you back, who wants to keep you from prospering, who wants to keep you from increasing. And he will do whatever he can do to keep you down. And so what happened is Pharaoh saw that they were increasing, and he, he, he put them into slavery. He took them into bondage. And he put hard taskmasters masters around them. And it says that he afflicted them bitterly. That's what the enemy does, doesn't he? But it all starts when we turn to Egypt, when we turn to the world for relief. You see, some of you are looking to this world for relief. You just want the pain to stop. You just want to feel affirmed. You just want to feel approved. You just want a sense of worth restored to you. You just want to not hurt anymore. And so you turn to the things of this world. You turn to drugs. You turn to alcohol. You turn to, to, to sex. You turn to, to gambling. You turn to pornography. You turn to shopping. You turn to addiction. You turn to food. Rhea, turn to food for comfort. You turn to your friends because you think they have something you need. All you do when you turn to a friend for what you need is suck them dry. God is all you need. But you see what happens when we run to the world instead of to the refuge, instead of to the secret place, instead of to the fortress around us. We will always get into trouble, will we not? But you see, you have an enemy of your soul who wants you to stay out of that secret place with God. He does not want you to have intimacy with God. Do you understand that? Do, do you understand? Are you not unaware of his schemes? Do you know that he does not want you connecting with God on a deep level? He doesn't want you in that word in the morning. How many of you have ever, maybe, have you had this experience where you get up and you start reading the word and all of a sudden you start, oh, you forgot to do that and you should really go throw some laundry in or you know, you need to call this person, or, oh, my goodness, I forgot to pay that bill. Anybody have that trouble? It's because the enemy is saying, oh, he's in the word. we got to get him out, lure him out. And, and so he'll do anything he can do. My mom used to say, Rhea, if he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy because he accomplishes the same thing. He keeps you out of that secret place, doesn't he? Because he understands what Pharaoh understood, that, that in that secret place with God, you will prosper. You will increase. You will become mighty and stronger. And he does not want you in that place. But what happens, I was talking to you about God being our fortress. And a fortress is a place of, of safety. It's a place of refuge. He's saying, I will be your protector from the enemy. You come inside of me. You, you come dwell with me. 
and there'll be a fortress around you. And the enemy, it's a place where he can't reach. He can't reach you in that secret place. And, and so the goal is to get to that secret place where you can be protected. But here's what happens. We get out into the world and people hurt us, do they not? No? Yeah. People do us dirty. We take offense. Uh, we get wounded. Some of you have been wounded as a child, and what you think is a normal behavior for you really is you being isolated. You think it's a melancholy personality, but really what it is is you just withdrawing into yourself and wanting to be safe. Do you see? And what happens is we go out into this world, we get wounded, and what do we do? Anybody tell me. We put up walls, don't we? We put up our own fortress. We say, oh, you hurt me once. <laughs> Shame on you. Hurt me twice. Shame on me. I'm going to put up a wall that's going to keep me safe. And, and we can be connected. We can be friends. We can be buddies. Chris and I can be tight, but I still have a wall. That's between her and I. She, I'll let her close, but not too close. Because if I let her too close, she might actually hurt me. If I'm too vulnerable, they might get something to get. Do you not do that? Anybody? And some of your marriages are in deep trouble right now because they hurt you. Your spouse hurt you at one time. And you made this subconscious decision that, you know what, I'll still love them. I'll stay here. But they're never going to get, we're, we're never going to connect like we used to connect. That's a wall. That's you putting up your own fortress to keep yourself safe. Let me tell you what. I had a vision. I don't often get visions, but I was, I was uh, during a time where Leslie and I had been praying about a scripture that we read in Lamentations where it says uh, that, the, the, that the Lord wants to, wants to huh, tear down the wall around the daughter of Zion. And I said to Leslie, you've heard me tell this story. I read that scripture in Lamentations, and I said to her, do you think I have any walls around my life? And she started to giggle. And I, I was like, I kind of proved it myself that I, I really didn't have walls. And, and, and Leslie and I began praying about the walls in her life at that time. And I'm going to tell you what, to this day, God is still tearing down walls in us. And it has been wild. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, but it is a wonderful prayer. Because you see, he wants to be your fortress. And when you live behind a wall, whether that looks like you, you just being an introvert and you just protecting yourself and going behind, you know, how, have you ever said, I just want to stay safe behind these four walls of my house? I just, I just want to be safe. And that's a wall. That's you protecting yourself. Some of you protect yourself by just getting drunk. And I don't have to feel when I'm drunk. That's a wall. That's you becoming your own fortress. And God wants to tear those down because he wants to be a wall of fire around you. He wants to be your fortress. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. In him will I trust. We have got to get to that place, church, where we say, I'm not going to try to protect myself anymore. I'm not going to play these games anymore. I'm not going to run away in fear anymore. I'm not going to be worried about you rejecting me and talking about me behind my back anymore. I am going to get to my fortress and there I'm safe, but I'm not putting one up against you. Because when I wall you out, I have just, I have just stopped any opportunity I have to really minister to you. We've got to let him tear down those walls because he is our fortress. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He has promised he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never, ever relax his hand on us. I just read this scripture the other day that says, as mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. I, I was out in California this weekend, and, and I came out of my hotel room, and, and I pushed the button for the elevator, and I looked up, and there was a big window there. 
And I don't know if you've ever been to California, but I was down in the valley, and, and there were mountains all around, big, beautiful mountains all around this valley. And that's what caught my eye that morning when I, when I looked out that window, and this scripture came popping through my mind. As, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so God surrounds his people. Do you understand that he is a wall of fire around you, that he surrounds you, that he protects you, that he keeps you safe? Both of these, a refuge and a fortress, are lines of defense, but they're also dependent on you running to them. I have to run to the shelter. I have to run to the refuge. I have to get behind the fortress. Do you see that? We have to make a decision. My God in whom I trust. I'm going to make him my refuge. I'm going to make him my fortress. He is the God in whom I trust. Some men trust in chariots. Some men trust in horses. But I will trust in the name of the Lord. Do you understand that the name of the Lord is a strong tower? The righteous run into it and they're safe. Tonight when we were downstairs praying for you all, I, we, were, we, we just began to declare the names of God. I said, team, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Let's just declare it. And we just started to declare his name. Oh, team, was it not just awesome? We just started to put his names out into the atmosphere. And something changed down there. The atmosphere got charged because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I was telling you about this vision that I had, uh, I don't often get them, where I just get this flash of a picture through my mind. And, and I was praying about these walls with Leslie, and, and, and I was asking the Lord, do I really have walls, and how did I get them there, Lord? And, and so many of my walls came from being a little girl and feeling like I needed to protect myself because the people who I should have been able to trust to do that were letting me down. And, and subconsciously, I just made this decision that I had to keep myself safe that God was really, you know, sleeping on the job. And so I began to, to do that. Even as an adult woman, I still protected that little girl in me. And, and I never really fully surrendered that to God. And he gave me this picture one day, and what flashed through my mind was this big green meadow, and it was beautiful. It was, it was lush, beautiful grass. There weren't any trees. It was a wide-open meadow. And I was sitting in the middle of this as a little girl, and I was crouched down like this, and I was covering my, my head, and I was trying to protect myself, and yet it was wide open. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, that's you, Rhea. It's futile. What you're trying to do, you are still wide open for attack. You are not a fortress. You can't protect yourself. Your walls you think are protecting you, but you are wide open for attack. It would be so much better, Rhea, if you just trusted me. I will be your fortress. I will be your refuge. I won't let you down. We are unassailable. We are impregnable in him. No wall can do that for you. No wall. Isaiah 37 30 verse 7 says to Egypt or the world whose help is utterly useless. Therefore, I will call her Rahab, the do-nothing. And what he's saying is when you go to the world for help, it's utterly useless. It's like the, it's Rahab, the do-nothing. It can't do anything for you. It gives you a false sense of security. He wants to be your security. He wants you to know you're safe in him. See, some of you have never felt safe in your whole entire life. 
Some of you are rolling your eyes or in your heart thinking, is that really true? Oh, can I just tell you, I see it every weekend as I minister. Uh, people who have been so wounded and so hurt, and they're still running. They're still hiding. I never get to really know that person. I have a good friend who's, who's just precious. I, just, I love her to pieces. And, and, and when I see her, it, I feel like I never really see who she is. I know that inside of her, she's this precious, sweet thing. But, but she's so worried about seeking approval. She's so worried about, about uh, a pleasing man. She's so worried about, please don't reject me, that, that I never really get to know who God created. I know she's in there hiding somewhere and I feel like I need to just call her forth and say you know what you are safe dear one you don't have to be somebody or not take down those walls and trust God but you see it's because she was so hurt and so rejected as a child she's just waiting she's coming to agreement with the enemy that she deserves to be rejected and so she waits for that to happen oh can I just tell you about the God who wants to be your fortress, your safe place, your protection. He says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. There's another word, Elohim, my God. Elohim is the creator God. He's the, the, the judge of the universe. He's majestic. That word in the original language means to be strong or to be in front. It, it bothered me when I read that word, to be in front. I didn't know what it meant. And, and, and the, some commentators say it means that you have to put him in front of everything. You have to make him first. But today as I was restudying this, I was thinking about a champion and how a champion is always out front. He's always in the lead. That's God. He wants to be your champion. He wants to be out front in your life. He wants to lead you into victory. But that word Elohim, it, it's the word that's used in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When I taught this the first time, I talked to you about the first mention principle. And I want to just go back and talk to you about that again because it's just so profound to me. In biblical hermeneutics, they have this principle. It's called the law of first mention. And it means that the first time something is mentioned in the Bible, a foundation is laid for what that word will mean every time it's mentioned thereafter. For example, the first time Satan is mentioned in the Bible He's, meant, he's referred to as being subtle. <laughs> Do we not see that the whole way through Scripture? The, the first time Christ, the first words that Christ speaks, that Jesus speaks, is, I must be about my Father's business. Do you not see that the whole way through his life and ministry until his final words are, it is finished. I've been about my Father's business. The, the, the Holy Spirit, that's my, one of my favorite. The Holy Spirit, the first time we see him, he's doing what? Hovering. And the word means to brood. It's a picture of, of a hen brooding over her eggs. And it's when she moves back and forth over her eggs and she's warming them. She's, she's bringing life from death. And that's a picture of what the Holy Spirit does. Isn't that just, that's my favorite. He brings life from death. You see, some of you need some life. We're going to pray tonight, and I just decided I'm just opening up the altar tonight, and we're going to have some prayer time. If you need to leave, rock, you know, rock on with your bad self and leave. I, 
don't be blessed. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Go home to bed. But we're going to open up the altar tonight, and we're going to be we're going to pray because here's what I know: when the Holy Spirit gets inside of you and He starts hovering, He starts brooding in your life. Life comes from death. See, some of you have some death in your life. You're depressed. You're in despair. You're feeling hopeless. You're just lifeless. You, you might not have any real problems, but you just don't have life. You have no life in you. It's because you haven't tasted of the power of the Holy Spirit just working, brooding, bringing life from your death. And so that's what we see the whole way through Scripture. Well, Elohim is the creator God. It's the God who takes chaos and brings order to it. He spoke and the world came into being. He's the creator God. And so what he's saying here is, is my God in whom I trust, I'll create something out of nothing in your life. I know you're hurting. I know you have some issues, but I am Elohim, the God who can create, take chaos and bring order into it. The God who speaks and life comes into being. The God who speaks and what was not there suddenly appears to be there. Oh, my God in whom I trust. He is Elohim. He's the great I am. Do, do you under, am, I draw, am I clear? Are you getting this? Look at the names of God in this passage. Does that not just make you want to run to him and be safe? Is it not drawing a picture of why you can be safe in him? He's mighty. He's almighty. Do you not want to be in over your head? You see, some of us were just slopping in the puddle. He wants us to go in deeper. There's a place in God where he is not this Sunday morning, Sunday school and church kind of God. He's not this far off distant God that you visit on Sunday morning. He's a God who wants to be personal with you. He wants to, to go, he wants, wants you to know he knows you by name. He knows everything about you and couldn't love you more. Oh, you see, when you have a life like mine, when, you, when you've done stuff you wish you hadn't done, when you've done things you're ashamed of, the idea that God knows everything about you and couldn't love you more just blows my mind. You mean to tell me, Lord, that you know every rotten, horrible thing I've done and you still love me? Yes. That's unfailing. That's inexpressible love, is it not? I mean, I don't understand that. Somebody tonight on the team prayed. I think it was Kristen. We, we, were, we were calling out names of God, and she said, your banner over me is love. And it was just one of those rhema moments where I got to thinking, a banner over me. <laughs> you, you, you're, my covering is love. Do you understand your covering is love? Love, there's a scripture in, in Jeremiah, I'll probably misquote it, but it says something like this. I will never stop loving you. Expect love, 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 and more love. Because his banner over you, precious one, is love. Do you understand that? You see, some of you have never truly been loved. Oh, maybe if you're striving, maybe if you're being good enough, maybe if you're excelling, you got a little pat on the back, but you've never really known love. Oh, can I tell you? the lover of your soul, the one who knows everything about you and couldn't love you more. Do you understand there's nothing in this world that could ever separate you from the love of God? I don't care what you've done. I don't care what's been done to you. Nothing can separate you from his love. Oh, if that's not good, I don't know what is. Do you not want to run to a God like that? Run to cover. Your great I am. He wants to be everything you need him to be when you need him to be everything he is. You 
can trust him. Go in deeper this week. Ask him. Ask him to take you in deeper. Deeper still. When you think you've gone as deep as you can go, there's a deeper still. I want the deeper still. Do you not want that? Lord, there's more. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's more. I'm going to ask David to come and play. And, and I really, I'm telling you, all week long, I just began to ask the Lord what it is that he wanted me to do tonight. I, I really, for those of you who have come after you've heard this the second time, that just meant a lot to me that you would do that. And so I wanted to bless you somehow. And, and I just began to just ask the Lord, you know, Lord, what, what does this night look like? And, and it's Christmas. And, and don't you want me to just give something Christmassy at the end? And, and I just really felt like he just wanted us to, to really have some time in prayer. Now, I understand that not all of you are comfortable with that, and please feel free to leave. I, I really am okay with that. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Uh, it, just slip out quietly because we're going we're gonna to have some time of prayer, and if it's just the team and me, we're going to have some time of prayer. But I promise you that if you stay, you'll be blessed. I'm going to turn the team loose. I'm going to let them minister to you as they, as they would. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to really just seek the Lord. Don't seek a team member. Don't seek me. Just come and, and just say, Lord, I want to know you as my great I am. I want to know you as God most high. You know, I've kept you in a box, Lord, and, and if you're really most high, can you do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or imagine. Can you show me that tonight, Lord? <laughs> if you're really God Almighty, I got some, some things I need to talk to you about, Lord, because I need God Almighty at work in them. And if you really are El Shaddai, the one who nourishes and nurtures me, I really don't feel like I've ever been nurtured, and I need a daddy to nurture me. See, some of you, especially you men, you have never had a daddy who's a blessing over you. Some of you are still striving for a father's blessing. Wanting to hear, good job, well done. When Brooke graduated this weekend, she graduated six months early with honors, top in her class. Just let a mama boast. And I sat up on the balcony, and I was crying, and, and I said, Lord, I'm so proud of her. <laughs> but you know what? It had nothing to do with her grade point average. It had nothing to do with her graduating early. It had nothing to do with anything that she's ever accomplished. <laughs> she's just mine. Do you know? If I love Brooke and Kendall like that, and my other five like that, what must God's love be like? Some of you need to taste a love like that tonight. You need to hear the Father speak some blessing over you. Maybe you have a daddy who left, and you're still trying to get him to give you approval. Oh, can I tell you about a daddy who approves? Let him speak that over you, and it frees you up to love your biological father.
without expecting anything back. Let him nurture you. Here's what I believe. I think that we've so been trained to put on a stiff upper lip and go through the motions. How you doing? Praise the Lord. See you next Sunday. Good sermon. But it never gets down deep, does it? Never really changes you. And I believe, it's just my belief, that it's because we never get to that place, that secret place. Where he can just breathe life back into us. Where he can be the one who hovers and broods and takes death and brings life back into us. Where he can truly be Elohim. The one who takes chaos and brings something beautiful from it. So for those of you that have to leave, please feel free. I, I really mean that. But if you can stay and you want some prayer, you can stay in your seat if you want. I'll send the team out. But I'd encourage you to come forward. And we're going to, Leslie, do we have some oil? We're going to just lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. Don't even listen to our words. I've instructed the team to not even say anything if they don't feel like the Lord has a word, but just to pray. Because this is going to be about God touching you, not one of us touching you. Here's what I know. I will say of the Lord, here's what I know. Let me declare this to you. God has brought healing in my life in the past couple years that stretches far beyond what I ever thought he could do. And so much of that started with vulnerability. It started with me saying, okay, I'm going I'm to seek you in a way that's out of my box. And I'm going to let you be who you say you're going to be. And so I'm going to ask David to sing and just invite you to come forward. And We're not going to rush out. If after you get prayer you're done and you want to leave, leave. We're going to stay and we're going to keep praying and really just seeking the Lord. And I want you to end your year like that. Because I think 2013, I'm asking him to take us to deeper places still. I read a scripture to the team tonight. The eyes of the Lord search, search the earth. Looking. Just looking. To bless those who love him. Let's pull up your phone and give me that scripture. I, is it still up? I, it's something like the eyes of the Lord search to and fro. He's searching <laughs> to act on the behalf of those who love him, I think is the way the scriptures word it. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth 
to show himself strong on behalf of them who, who, whose, heart are set on, whose heart is set on him. <laughs> He's searching. And he wants to show himself strong to those whose hearts are set on him. Would you come? Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.